Yes. Are you, are you ready? I'm always ready. You're always ready. You are ready for a fight and ready for a show. Okay. So hit it whenever you're, whenever you are ready to go, take a moment. Hey everyone, this is Johnny FD from johnnyfd.com and you are listening to Vroom Vroom Beer with Jeff Smith. Well done, sir. I like it. Good job. Nice. Okay, I'm going to hit stop. I'll be right back. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. John Gillum, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. How's it going? Great. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Excited to, excited to be here and chat with you and, uh, and your audience. Yeah, this is going to be fun. You know, we're both from the Great Lakes region. You know, I grew up in Upper Peninsula, Michigan, uh, and you're up there in Collingwood, Ontario. Uh, so talk a little bit about what's going on up there in Ontario today. Yeah, no, it's a breezy, crisp day with uh, the foreshadow of winter coming, which is great because, yeah, the, the reason, reason you know, one of the reasons I love the area, but uh, ski hills are... Uh, are close by and it's uh yeah it's a nice uh, nice day outside and so probably probably get out on my bike hopefully later too but that's uh that's you know kind of what what Collingwood is known for is some uh, outdoor outdoor fun similar to kind of where where you're from in uh, nor- northern Michigan. Yeah, you know, I um I never really visited that part of Canada unfortunately. I need to. <laughs> it's definitely on the list. The only place I've ever been was I walked across the bridge um, in, uh, help me out, Niagara Falls. Okay. Yeah. That's as close as I've been to Toronto. <laughs> Got it. Well, that's yeah, not true either because I was in Detroit, but I didn't cross that bridge. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Northern Michigan, the like sort of like, or like Michigan, upper peninsula, Michigan and, uh, kind of Collingwood, like, like North of Toronto, Ontario areas are pretty similar. Just, uh, the lots of trees. Like, yeah, it's pretty similar. Lots of trees, lots of water, lots of lakes. Yeah, um, but uh, and, and people are pretty uh, pretty similar, I'd say too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 an interesting region, you know. Uh, everybody's pretty nice. Uh, you got a lot of the Protestant work work ethic going on. Um, yeah, fun. It's a fun place to hang out. You know, I grew up uh, running around in the woods, camping, riding my bike, and you know, fun place to be a kid. Now, exactly. the winter's not so great. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you don't like playing with the snow, whether it be skiing or your snowmobiling, then yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty long, long, several months of no fun. But, right. Uh, it can, can be fun if, uh, if you like that stuff, I guess. No, it is fun. I mean, it is. Now that I've, I've grown up and, and escaped, um, I, I like going back. I usually don't go back in the winter, but... I do. Lo- I actually like the fall. I did all of my yeah. skiing in Japan. Uh, I, okay. Yeah, and that was that was great because I lived in northern Japan, very much close to the same forty uh, fifth uh, parallel that uh, I grew up on in Michigan. And there in Japan, I could like get off of work um, and drive thirty minutes and be skiing. That was that That's was some- yeah. 
amazing powder. I mean, Japan has some pretty impressive ski hills. I've never oh, yeah. been there, but I definitely had some some uh, talks to several people that have gone on fun trips there. Oh yeah, it's great. Oh my goodness. Oh, so much fun. <laughs> I mean, and uh, you know, some I I know I went once. And, uh, my, my ski buddy and I got to the top of the, the difficult hill, uh, where you have to take the, uh, the gondola ride, you know, and it was literally like whiteout. (laughs) (laughs) We couldn't, there was so much powder that we, and so much whiteout and wind that uh, we walked out and looked at the, the edge of the, uh, point where you go down the hill and we're like, Wow. It was just like a white abyss. <laughs> <laughs> so we decided not to go. Yeah. We just took the gondola back down. It was like, mm, let's go down and do the, <laughs> let's go down and do the easier ones where we can actually see. <laughs> yeah. And we Real still had a really good day. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was really a lot of work to get, just to get back to the lift. But anyway, I digress. So, okay. So you grow up in Toronto. Um, <clears throat> and then you end up going to college and you become a me- mechanical engineer. So um, where did you go to school? Yeah, I went uh, so yeah, I grew up in, in Collingwood and then went to school at uh, it's McMaster University in, in Hamilton. I took uh, mechanical engineering. Um, yeah, I did a lot of skiing and biking as a kid and thought that you know that stuff was was pretty neat and thought that, that would uh, building some some of those things would be would be a fun time. So oh, okay. that was sort of my uh, interesting. My and some of my original business ideas were, were around that sort of sphere, and thought that that would be a good footing for for whatever I did in the in the future. That's funny, <laughs> especially at like how you where you end up. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I certainly knew that it was was going to be a loose connection, but uh, yeah, you know, at the age of of you know seventeen eighteen, that seemed like as logical a thread as possible. That engineering was as good as any degree to, to get, and. Uh, would have some some optionality post at doing that and building skis or building bikes would be a, would be a fun time but or building whatever but I think that just that sort of building was the was the common thread that has continued even if it's bears almost no similarities to what <laughs> what you end up thought. doing right but that's great at least I think I would say I respect that your head as a young person was in the right place like you were thinking about what I would uh, enjoy doing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. <clears throat> so that's cool. So before we get too deep, I'm going to tease a couple of things like they do on the news. Um, so later on, we're going to talk about how you woke up one morning and I'm, I'm assuming this is um, when you're a business person and you had a negative six figure day that, that, that can't be fun. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing that story. And then you're yeah, also happy, happy to relive it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fun now. <laughs> um, and then later you're going to uh, explain um, uh, blockchain technology. So a five-year-old can understand it, which sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if he understands it, but yeah, I'll definitely go through kind of how I've been trying to explain it to, to anyone that, uh, that starts to ask me, you know, what what do you do? So yes, and and I have my son who's five, I've I've certainly attempted to uh, have him grasp some of the basic understandings of it. You know, I've asked that before of other guests, and I, I think they've, 
marginally succeeded. <laughs> I think we can all agree blockchain is, is quite a, a, a complex thing to understand. So um, any, any way that you can dumb it down for us old folks or young people is amazing. So thanks for that. Okay. So you end up graduating college. You've got your mechanical engineer degree and you end up working for an oil company. So talk a little bit about what it was like to have your nine to five. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I always knew, I mean, through, through, you know, before school, after school, like university that, that, you know, doing, doing something on my own would be something that I certainly wanted to do. But, um, I, I also knew that, you know, that I think, you know, the, you know, corporations often, you know, my, my, my sort of anti nine to five anti corporation isn't, isn't as strong as probably many other entrepreneurs because I always knew that, you know, they became giant organizations because, of some advantage, whether they lost that advantage or not, but like clearly they, they were, they did something right. Something. Yeah. Yes. And so there's, you know, there's good and bad in, in all organizations to learn from. And so I, I, I knew I wanted to kind of go somewhere where I felt like I'd get pushed pretty hard on, on not just the engineering side, but on the, the sort of the business side. And, and so, yeah, I ended up uh, kind of my, my thought process was either kind of like, consulting which i felt was kind of weird to, for somebody just out of school to do con, you know management consulting. <laughs> yeah i still don't fully understand but uh or go kind of into you know what what would i try to find you know what would hopefully be the hardest hardest kind of role that i could find and and yeah oil and gas as a mechanical engineer kind of seemed to be in, and being from canada seemed to be the the place to place to go and and yeah we uh ended up ended up there and it was uh yeah it was there for seven seven years but it was um it, always working on sort of side projects and side business to take to, to know that i wanted to do something different specifically get back to my hometown to raise a family here okay um, but it was uh, a great i mean great learning experience and also a spot where learned a lot of um good and bad leadership and business execution ideas yeah, you know, I'm starting to be a lot more forgiving of everything. Uh, just like what you said in the beginning of your comments, you know, it's like, I think we all have to go through this own, our own personal growth uh, as far as like, in in some ways, everything humans do personally and in groups is is always like never perfect. <laughs> yes. it's, it's, it's always human. And now you could, yes. and that's like the most um, gentle way to put it. Now, back when I was in the Air Force, I would be like, it's wrong, it's flawed, it's stupid. And I would be very negative about everything that I thought was wrong with, you know, you name it, in the government, in, you know, in the country with humanity, you know, it's stupid, it's, it's messed up, right? And now I've got this understanding that that's just how people are. You know, I mean, if you think about it, like everybody knows we're flawed humans, but for some reason we've got this idea that things that we make should be perfect somehow. I don't know why we think yeah. that. <laughs> I, I can, I can like recall a time where like, it, like that, that change happened to me too. Cause yeah, you're going, you're going from kind of a, you know, cockyish kid, right? Like, like all, all, you know, just generalizing, but you know, all, you know, kids think they know what's going on in the world at right, age right. 18. And, and then that time of like, 
you know, it's like get a little bit of that screw the man mentality. Yes. And then I got sort of like quickly pushed through a few roles and ended up in a position where there was sort of a, a couple hundred contractors in the field, a, a, a sort of a, a relatively large budget, you know, tens of millions of dollars budget. That I was the, the leader for that event. And th- there was sort of a, an incident that happened that, and they were kind of like, kind of coming at me about like, you know, the, the man's doing this to us. And I'm like looking behind me. It's like there, like there is no man. Like it's just, it's just me. I'm, I'm just this idiot in front of you that that's doing. That, that, that's the guy. Like, I, I, I screwed up, but this was like I'm no mastermind here. I just there's there was a screw up that I'm accountable for, and and you know, I I wish I hadn't, but there's no there's no man behind this this mischievous, you know, right. clever screw up. It's just it's just like you said, human humans involved in complex processes result in uh in in un, uh, unplanned for outcomes correct yes and, and i think you nailed a, a lot of different things there um because uh, when i was in the air force um we had this joke about like um <laughs> nobody wanted to be the guy that you just talked about so we would be like hey man you're the man right <laughs> Yeah. right and then we'd be like no 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 you're the man because i checked the man roster and you're the man all week right (laughs) (laughs) at some point in your life like i uh, in the air force in my last assignment i literally had a rubber stamp with my name on it you know (laughs) (laughs) i have become the guy i i am the man look i have the rubber stamp to prove it Yeah, people had to come if you want if you were a contractor and you wanted to work in our organization, um the bosses figured out they didn't want to sign these forms anymore, so they made me do it. <laughs> and suddenly I was the man. <laughs> yes. I am I am a cog with a rubber stamp. <laughs> correct. Correct. But you know, uh yeah, I've I've come to realize that that the when you hear people talking about the conspiracy theories and, and some secret plot, you know, it's like, um, you know what, all those folks just need to go get, uh, like a County clerk job or something, you know, any level of government. And you'll know, um, that the folks that you're working with are no masterminds. (laughs) They're they're not. We're giving everyone too much credit. Right. You know, we thought that like, you know, we're still struggling to pull off basic stuff in our society and to, to think that, you know, crazy, complex things can get executed with in with secret, flawless, near flawless execution. In right. secret is is highly, highly unlikely. Right. Yes. Not that you don't think that there's some, you know, secret big brother out there that that you can't escape that feeling. But, you know, it's not the government. It's if it's anybody, it's like Google and Facebook and M- <laughs> let's blame them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're the <Yes>. new man. <laughs> okay. So you learn that uh that life is um you know flawed and uh and you you have a little sympathy for for all things human organizations and personalities and so how so you end up working for the oil company for 7 years, right? And you you mentioned briefly that you had side projects. And something makes me think that those side projects turned into something later. Yeah, I mean, so from from just even within university, 
um, I sort of shifted, uh, you know, thought like may as well look at my day at, you know, where am I spending time that I could be spending it better spending it for, for my future. And, you know, not a lot, but played a little bit of, you know, computer strategy games and thought, well, you know, this is kind of, kind of a waste of time. It's fun, but I mean, maybe I should be looking at, looking at applying the same skill set here and energy to something that has some, you know, longer term future payoff and, and that, you know, the quickly kind of found online businesses and, and sort of started, started pulling on that thread and, and thinking, you know, thinking about it, applying the same level of diligence as like as, as a game. And so I wasn't really serious about it, but it was always sort of like building skills and, and, uh, you know, building. So yeah, I used, um, that, um, sort of same mindset as playing around in, in online games to, to focus on building something that was, uh, was, was interesting in, in the, and would be more valuable to other people and solve some problems. And so I, I built some, some sort of pretty basic, uh, businesses online that, that sold, you know, things that I knew how to build, such as spreadsheets that's helped people solve problems. And that was just kind of the start of my, uh, my journey into seeing what kind of entrepreneurship, um, and building of, of sort of solutions that my, uh, my efforts would go towards. So basically you were just trying to figure out how to answer questions that people might be asking on Google kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Just sort of some small websites focus around a specific problem that I could truly help solve, whether through content or a spreadsheet or a simple tool. Okay. And, and that was the, the starting point. Yeah, that's that's a that, I know a guy. I actually had a guy on my podcast and now he's making all of the money that he needs from a website called what is my IP address dot com. And uh, and he started that like just, you know, because he didn't know. <laughs> yeah. So he solved the problem for himself. And then he was like, hmm, maybe other people might want to know that. So he put up a public website. And this was like in the nascent days of the Internet, like 95, 97. So, um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's now it, now it pays his bills. I like that story. (laughs) Instead of, instead of 6,000 websites, he only has one. Right. (laughs) But that, okay. I, I, I gave, I gave a whirl at that, except I think my niche that I came up with, I was really only answering questions I gave a shit about. So yeah. So it worked, it worked for me, but nobody else cared. It's sort of like, uh, (laughs) Uh, I could write a book about how to win a keyword that nobody gives a shit about. (laughs) I I think I still win that keyword, but I digress. Okay. So that is going to lead into how you end up owning 6,000 websites. But first, um, let's go and see if we can talk about that day that you woke up one morning to a negative six figure day. Are we ready for that story? We're jumping around chronologically, but that's okay. Yeah, no, we're, that that like so that that thread of kind of like hey, just building these kind of like tiny little projects, uh, just seeing what worked, what didn't work. Um, I got so I was just kind of playing around with that for probably about three years, four years. And this is while you still have a job, right? Well, I still had the job. I'm not taking it too too serious, right? And then when you know my career trajectory hours were going in a direction that did not line up with kind of the life that you know my wife and I. Had, believe that we wanted right Uh, it was i got a lot more serious about okay there is something real here it was starting to you know 
be a meaningful chunk of, of income that was being generated through through those efforts oh, and okay. said, okay, there is something here. Let's let's get after it. And and then for a few years, I really kind of worked pretty insane hours. Like it was kind of like sixty hour a week minimum of the day job, and then was putting in probably about another about another fifteen hours a week, twenty hours a week on the on the side business. Wow, um, working. Yeah, not, not really nonstop for, for a whole bunch of years um, to, to try and kind of build that up and had some pretty aggressive targets in terms of runway and and sort of cash in the bank to before I pulled the pulled the trigger on, on leaving the day job. Um, and when that closing in on that date or around, the, I guess it was around that time, um, one of the main I had a bunch of sites um, and this is where the 6,000 websites came in, but was building sites for myself and for others that would would help people, uh, you know, rank rank in Google, and so that, right. that those sites all played a part of that um, strategy. And and um, woke up one day, and uh, an account had been had been banned that resulted in yeah sites that were key to the whole kind of business empire that I was you know building yeah. got uh, got wiped out, and so that was a was a pretty uh, pretty kind of oh shit day of huh. <laughs> whoops great while it's here but i guess this can go away too yeah ouch wow did so, so yeah how long did it take you to fix it uh so it was an un, un, i guess unfixable in terms of i mean some small oh, wow. things about 25 percent could get recovered but, okay uh, that was about uh yeah it was i mean it was I it's just I gone forever gone forever and so i guess wow. i wish i could say that was the only day that i'd taken a you know knock on the chin like that ever but uh i think with any any time that there is a you know any any time that you get punched in the face there's always uh, a, a potential <laughs> silver lining okay and certainly in this case there was as well in terms of the the business like some of the resources that i had on those sites got pivoted to another project um that was showing a little bit of progress a little bit of success and and the result was Certainly, the enterprise value that we have now is greater than if we had stayed on the previous trajectory. So, certainly, heard of the time, but I mean, hindsight twenty twenty. So, who knows exactly what would have happened? But it did. In the rearview mirror, at least, it looks like it did work out. Where the the resources, the staff members that were on on the team, got shifted to a new project, and that project has has paid out. Uh, uh, the enterprise value of that project is certainly higher than the enterprise value of the the sites that got hit. Yeah. So I, I, I don't correct me if I'm wrong because I might be, but it's almost like if it hadn't, I mean, it, the lucky thing may be that um, if that hadn't, that vulnerability hadn't been exposed, then it would have been a much bigger hit in the future. Certainly possible. Yeah, uh, 100%. I mean, I, I always yeah. need, like, I think all of my businesses have had some level of risk associated with them. I mean, any business does. Sure. And I certainly take a pretty risk averse approach through multiple businesses. Um, mm-hmm. And so I would never have had sort of all my eggs in that in, in one basket, right. no matter right. what, no right. how attractive that basket was. Mm. Um, but yeah, certainly I was planning on shifting more and more to that sort of call that basket. But, uh, but yeah, that obviously when that got taken away, it, it, uh, it definitely. It's a wake up call. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I get it. It's like, Oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I, I've heard similar stories like, 
Um, and then, you know, obviously the answer is, is always, you know, don't depend too much on one or a few things to generate income idea. Like I know, um, another podcast guest was heavily dependent on Facebook ads. Like a lot of people are and, and her and her partner both got simultaneously banned from Facebook right before a big launch. And they're like, yeah, Okay we're not going to make that money. <laughs> All that effort is gone. <laughs> and it was totally a, a, a BS band. It didn't matter. You know, they, they eventually got unbanded, you know, but it was like, doesn't matter. Damage done, you know? Yeah. And there ain't shit you can do about it. So yeah, it's definitely risky, uh, scenario when it's almost like every bet you make, you, you, there's this small little voice in your head that goes, this could go to shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and this, like, this is one thing that I sort of like picked up from the, the oil and gas days where the bureaucracy had the kind of like risk assessment, you know, probability times consequence listed all your events to, to plan out for, you know, plan out your mitigation and plan out your, sure. you know, what's, what's your, your, your risk scenario planning. And I, I think that sort of mindset has certainly helped me in this world where, it's a lot, it's, it's very, it takes some discipline to not run after the clear, the, the highest short-term profit opportunity, but to, to build sort of a balanced business based on all of the potential risks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's like, and I think it's as an entrepreneur, it, other folks will say like, you you're building your muscles when you have those losses, you know, it's like, okay, (laughs) now, now I know that can happen and I'll live, you know, (laughs) Uh, you know, the worst thing happened. Right. And I, and, and I didn't die. It just, yes. Right. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, congratulations on surviving and thriving (laughs) in the future. So good for you. Okay. So how do you end up own? Is that it, it? I suppose if you extrapolate this model of you eventually quit your job and now your thing is making money from websites, right? So is that, uh, so how, how is it that you end up owning 6,000 websites? Cause that's a lot of websites to own, dude. That's a lot. That, that is a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so some are used for, for um, search engine optimization purposes and a bunch are built for, for other people for, for similar reasons. Okay. Um, so we, we end up, yeah, we have, we have, and, and I, uh, acquire so at the peak, I was basically buying a site, a site a day, um, from, wow. from people who were, who were looking to, to sell a site that was just at the start of potentially making some money. So a lot of people kind of start this process, make a little bit, and then it isn't going as well as they want and they want to drop it. And so if somebody's looking to, to sell it quickly and, just get a little bit of exit money and, and get a little tiny amount of exit money. Right. Uh, then I, I had a system set up to be acquiring a bunch of those, putting them into kind of a system of content and make, helping them rank. And then some would, some would succeed, many would fail. Mm. But that was sort of a model that I, that I was running with that I liked based on kind of that, the scale and the systematization that you could throw against it. Interesting. Um, and okay. so that was, that was sort of that doing that over, you know, a few years resulted in a, and a pretty large number of sites being in, in my, uh, in my hands. Wow. Okay. So this, this is, this is all eerily familiar to me because some of these, there's a billion people out there like 
well, maybe not a billion, but quite a few people out there trying to make money with a, with a content website. Right. So, and most of them do nothing. Right. But some of them, you know, make a little trickle of cash. So, so if you do win a space on Google, then I get it. That makes sense. It is a lot of work though, for like a one person just sitting at home. Um, it's just a constant grind, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, I can see where even if somebody is like, you know, I won this, I'm making the money, but it's not as fun as I thought it would be. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. Yeah, so a lot of times it's like, oh, great. I've done it. I've learned it. I know what I can do. I want to go and do this again, but fix all my mistakes. And how do I get all the money out of the site that I just put in? Right. And and, and so like they could sit sit on it and collect some some income from that site. Or or sell it and, and dump it and get some some cash back quicker. Yeah, um, and so that that was sort of the, the 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 hole that we were we were filling for a while. Okay, all right. So okay, so now eventually, you you somehow get into this blockchain space. So um, talk a little bit about the um, I guess it's called the AdBank Network site. Is that where we're at now in the chronology? Yeah, so I, I there's one step in between there where mm. my focus had been on sort of like I was deploying some capital, I was acquiring some 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 online assets, right. and then that had kind of morphed into working with some other people doing some similar stuff, and kind of became the operations arm of a of a private equity company that was rolling up like moving up the size of those deals that I was talking about and starting to do some bigger and bigger deals of you know buying buying six figure or seven figure. Um, Price tag sites. Wow. Uh, and, okay. And businesses. Right. And, and then from uh, from that, um, the kind of co-founders on that business were deep into to blockchain tech, and were saying like, you know, John, you really got to like dig in here and understand. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't speculate on, you know, on, on price. But like, no, no, like dig into the tech. And I think everyone that sort of has that moment where they dig into blockchain technology and realize what it's going to be capable of doing. Um, has that oh shit moment where like things will be different and and that that was sort of the the starting point of how the the thread progressed of okay like I understand this business of you know got all these sites running a bunch of you know different different monetization methods but a bunch revolved around digital advertising right. this ecosystem is totally totally screwed up um, and when you dig into block, blockchain technology you can do and the 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 trustless nature of the database that it essentially creates um it, it was like wow things things will be different and there's so many unique applications of this technology in so many different industries but this was one that i had some firsthand knowledge of the pain points that existed within it okay that that sounds um like an interesting entry point for the the tease question <laughs> <laughs> of of how do you explain block blockchain technology to me or, you know, even more funny, a five-year-old? Yeah. So, so for kind of like the, this, it's a little bit of a stretch for the five-year-olds, but I mean, if I'm explaining to somebody that most people have heard about like Bitcoin cryptocurrencies right. and, and that, and that's where the, like, so what is that? It's like, Oh, it's built on blockchain, but then like, huh? And so the way that I typically explain um, that to people is, you know, your money that's sitting in a bank isn't actually in the vault. It's simply on a database somewhere. Right. And so okay. all blockchain is, and, and and you believe that bank because 
they're relatively believable. I mean, relative everyone's got their own opinion on that relative statement, but right. you, your money is there. You will get it. If you go and ask the bank and say, Hey, I need my money. And we all trust that it's there because we reasonably trust the bank. Um, that bank serves the purpose of being a trusted intermediary. If okay. that database existed on everybody's computer in a completely um, distributed and decentralized way, and it had the same information, and nobody could manipulate it because everybody's spreadsheets always had to agree and everyone's databases always had to agree, then the purpose of the bank does not, from a, from a trusted third party or from a trusted actor of saying how much money you have in the bank is no longer needed. And it's simply a database that everyone trusts that says how much you have. Um, so that's, that's that a pretty good explanation, database, dude. <laughs> that's, it, it, I actually understand what you just said. It, <laughs> Good that job. database is the blockchain. <laughs> okay. And the number that is sitting in your account is the Bitcoin or the, the other cryptocurrencies. So that so that and, and then what I kind of how I explain it to you know to my to my son who's who's five and sometimes even my daughter who's three, but that's that's just an exercise in futility. Um, <laughs> but I try to explain like you know wherever wherever middleman exists, blockchain technology has the opportunity to introduce disruption. And right. so I talk about like, you know, the person at the counter of a fast food store, or the person that comes to the door selling ice cream and that if that person didn't need to exist and obviously there's a huge ton of simplifications in there, but essentially what blockchain will allow people to do is, is directly exchange value from, from producer to consumer. Um, and obviously there's added value added steps throughout that process. And like, so that's kind of where I stop with the, with the five-year-old explanation, but with, uh, I mean, what for, for kind of a more complete explanation, it's, you know, I, people acting as trusted third party intermediaries will no longer, will hopefully no longer be as taxing on society, you know, real estate agents, um, car dealers if they're acting to say that like i'm a third party you can trust me in this deal between two people um mm. blockchain technology provides a lot of opportunity for that um function to no longer be needed okay so do you see it as i mean like a will there be sort of like a new organizations uh taking new roles as as trust arbiters or they just kind of all go away is where ultimately so i mean i think uh, trust, or maybe just so, a first a flattening kind of thing so i guess pick pick and pick an industry and then we can kind of touch on touch on that so like family courts is one that gets talked about a lot okay. real estate one that gets talked real about estate, a lot right right so it, it's in the world of real estate real estate agents provide a bunch of value-added services mm-hmm. one of which is the distribution of information that is kind of and i know canada and the u.s is a little bit different Right. Um, but especially in Canada, that sort of information of past transactions is mm-hmm. really hoarded by by the real estate agent, uh, and under a um, blockchain based solution, you would be able to simply say like that solution is running on the blockchain with all the information there, and you can go in and purchase that information, and then instead of having this really cumbersome process of you know, real estate agent, lawyer, 
government person, lawyer on the other side, real estate agent on the other side, and all you're trying to do is, you know, this person wants to pay this, this person's going to receive that money, and this land is going to transfer between these two addresses, mm-hmm. um, between these two people. What, you know, in a perfect world, if blockchain technology achieved it, all that would need to happen is, you know, there'd be no question of who owned the land because it would, that, that title sat on that person's address. And so it would be as simple as moving, you know, going back to that database example, it'd be as simple as moving $1 from a bank account to someone else's bank account. It's just that $1 represented the, that, that house. And therefore, all those middle people, middlemen that exist to lubricate and ensure that transaction occurs mm. and they take their cut aren't required because it's a much simpler process that is trusted by by all parties. Okay. So, I mean, you know, I know this kind of gets into that world of like, really, is that how it's going to play out? And the truth is, you know, no one knows how it's going to play out. But right, I, I right. Mean, Ultimately, you know, in the perfect world, which we do not live in (laughs) with perfect people, which we do not have. Uh, Right. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. And so something between what I described and what we have now is going to exist and and blockchain technology is going to help introduce that. Okay, I can I can see where it would be cool to definitely like eliminate, you know, as many as possible. Right. Because I've so I bought and sold a house. So, you know, it, it, everybody's got their hands out and they're all, yes. you know, on both sides of the transaction. It's like it, it, it's it's a lose lose situation. You know, what was it? I thought of the other day. I was like, oh, it's pretty cool because in the States here, you know, when you sell a house, they don't tax you on the capital gains. Right. If you meet certain criteria here. So most people, if you just you know, own a house and you live in it for three of the last five years. And when you sell it, you don't get taxed on the capital gains. If there are any at the end of the transaction, I was like, well, that's pretty neat. But then I thought, Oh yeah, just think about all the money that's not taxed (laughs) that that transaction cost me. And then I'm like, okay, that, that it may not be taxed, but Oh, there was, it was definitely expensive. Yeah. And, yeah. and so like like real estate, like there will still be valuable services. Like if, if you're moving to a new town and you're wanting to make sure you get a house in the right neighborhood, those mm-hmm. services of a real estate agent will still be useful. Just not in the same, like the, the background, be, the background infrastructure can change. Yes. Yeah. yeah. To, to have a blockchain based, say whatever trust agency, right. It's almost like a, a, uh, um, a gal for uh, property ownership, <laughs> a global <Yeah>. address book. <laughs> yes. Every, every municipality has to have a trust kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. A trust based uh, address book, <laughs> database, whatever you want to call yeah. it. It's interesting. It's fun to think about what it's it, going to look it, like it in the future. To- yeah. It is definitely fun to think about and how long it takes is what, what it's going to look like. Who knows? But it's it's things that will will change, which is which is fun to be part of. So I, do you know anything about like um, and this is going to get nerdy. So I apologize if everybody wants to pause here and like go get a cup of coffee. If you're listening, I'm going to nerd <laughs> out for a while. But in my new job. OK, this is going to sound weird, but um, it's all Department of Energy. Right. They're kind of like the people that. Uh, the part of the government that is the custodian of all things nuclear energy. Okay. And there, from my perspective, 
a smaller version of a federal bureaucracy compared to the DOD and the Air Force, right? So they've only recently started doing these things where they're breaking up and sort of like, because up until say like seven years ago, everybody was just walking around going, hey, I'm in the DOE. And there was no sort of like major subdivisions yet. If that makes sense. Do you know what I'm talking about? As far as like organizational chunks, right? And then about seven years ago, they made a big, huge move where they're like, okay, we're now headquarters and the rest of it is called this new thing. <laughs> and, and, you know, that the growing pains of that is still rippling now. Um, so w- the environment that I'm in uh, computer wise is where we don't have, you know, everybody's working in, in, the, in the work world um, on email the exchange server address book is usually in it, the, what we're used to now is everybody's all in the global, right? They haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, I know <laughs> it, it makes, it makes the, because they're also doing the entrust PKI for email security and you know, you, you publish your public keys to the, the global address list. And when they're not federated, it doesn't work. <laughs> I'm like, how the hell are we going to do this? And everybody's like, I don't know, but we'll get there. <laughs> it's scary. It's like every day somebody comes up to me and says, I sent about, I sent out five emails, but somebody said I couldn't find their certificates for entrust. And I'm like, yeah, that happens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lovely, yeah. right? Yes. Growing pains. Anyway, I digress. Sorry to nerd out on you. Okay, <laughs> so you've, you've done both tease moves, so now we really have to uh, drill down into what you're doing now, and, uh, and you're trying to fix what you're calling broken advertising. And I've got a joke for this, but I'm going to let you talk first. Sure, yeah. So, I mean, in the digital advertising world, so there's an advertiser and a publisher, and the ecosystem that exists between those two parties is called ad tech. So, you know, all the tech that exists behind, you know, why are you seeing that ad at that time to you? Um, And there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens behind the scenes to make that happen. Yeah. And that all gets kind of grouped together. Mini little auctions, right? Yeah, exactly. So there's there's this programmatic real-time bidding stuff is is these mini little auctions that happen for each of these these ads to show up. And that world is, it's a pretty impressive industry that has been built out. You know, it's $220 Two hundred and twenty billion dollar a year industry. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's a it's a monster, and the challenge that exists within it is there's a whole bunch of players that exist between that advertiser and between that publisher. Yeah. And the ability for that advertiser to understand who received each of his dollar, as in terms of which publisher received it, or even the middle players that received it, is almost impossible mm. um, in in almost every in every platform. Mm-hmm. And that is a that that's a problem. That's a problem, and especially for big businesses. And that murky ecosystem that exists um, results in the ability for bad actors to do bad shit within it. Um, <laughs> okay, ad, I can see like that. A, yeah, right. Because yeah, they've got a like little gap. They've got a gap. Yeah, so it's, a, it's a, you know it's a it's a, a, a industry that everyone's aware of many of the problems, but the the nature of it is very it's very difficult to fix um, in the world of um 
in the world of sort of organized crime, it's click fraud or sort of digital advertising fraud. So like signing up to advertising, saying you're a publisher and then faking the clicks on, on your site so that you get paid a bunch of money by, by advertisers <clears throat> is the second largest source of organized crime funding behind drugs. Wow. Which is pretty, pretty shocking. Yeah. Wow. Ahead of kidnapping, ahead of, uh, um, you know, uh, drugs and prostitution, ones. right? <laughs> uh, behind drugs, drugs, drugs is still number one. Oh, drugs. drugs is still number one. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, that makes sense. So, yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got to yeah. do it. <laughs> yes. And so that that ecosystem is is sort of not necessarily it's made ripe. up of bad yeah, people, yeah. but it's ripe for bad people to do bad things within. Yeah. Um, and and that world, that lack of transparency that exists between the advertiser, between the publisher is what creates that environment. And so what yeah. adbank.network does is use that sort of same analogy that we just talked about with like, hey, we have a database that everybody trusts and it records um, advertisers and publishers. It's It's what we believe is the world's first ad network that directly connects advertisers and publishers. Okay. And so instead of wow. an advertiser, so like somebody like Procter and Gamble says, I have no idea how much money went to organized crime. And you know, that's a, that's a problem for, for public companies, especially like public companies who have brands like Procter and Gamble or Coke or, or, you know, Johnson and Johnson, the sort of family focused brands. It's not good for anyone, but especially for them, they have no, no, no auditability of where they're, you know, eight billion in Procter and Gamble's case, eight billion dollar ad budget went in terms of who who received it at the at the end, um, and so that creates big problems for them. And and a solution that, that we have is there's an advertiser and there's a publisher, and then our tech directly sends payments between the advertiser account and the publisher accounts, all all recorded on the the blockchain that people people are capable of auditing, and no one's capable of manipulating. Right. Um, so that's that's the sort of the the simplified version of uh, of what we've got. But I like it, you know, because I think my joke was going to be, you know, had you ever watch uh, Garrison Keillor on National Public Radio? No. Prairie Home Companion. This isn't uh, familiar to you. No. Okay, it's kind of old. Yeah, but (laughs) so it's not important. But um, what they would do on there, they would be like, and this is another thing wrong with uh, with advertising, not the technology, just in general, right? So the the joke would be something like, "Pancakes can kill you." Brought to you by waffles. (laughs) Waffles are awesome, (laughs) right? And that works with everything, right? You know, so you know, it's like that put on the internet is is yet another. You know, it's like you think you're clicking on something that's news, but it's actually an ad, right? So yeah. So that that's that's a completely different thing. (laughs) Yeah, but but I mean, the environment that like. The, the the real world example of that is sort of the the election meddling that that has occurred right, right. potentially okay. i mean depends on depends on what what we all believe but certainly something not above board occurred mm. and if you had had the ability to audit from advertiser through to publisher there would be much less uncertainty about um, who was paying where those source of funds to pay came from and who were the target um, target people that received that that messaging? And so that 
that that's a great example of kind of the lack of transparency that exists in the ecosystem and how a more transparent ecosystem would make it harder for bad actors to do manipulative things. Mm, I gotcha. Okay. So that's pretty cool. So, um, I don't really understand. So basically who do both parties come to adbank.network to sign up for the service? Yeah, exactly. So oh, okay. both, both an, an advertiser signs up and a, and a publisher signs up. So, and so right me now, as a publisher, I would be kind of like a publisher. I could go yeah. buy ad, I guess, ads, <laughs> buy ads, right? Pay yeah, you ads. could sign up, become a publisher, and then advertisers would advertise on on your platform. I mean, so gotcha. what, the, like the net new capability of what we build is that sort of payment transparency layer the rest is kind of all relative kind of in just call it industry standard stuff so nothing too too crazy yet on that side right um but what we've had is some kind of interesting partnerships with uh with like the government of austria and and red bull was one kind of pilot that that we've run in in the last few weeks wow i've got a few others a few others in the works that that we're we're playing with as well so that's been the uh that that's been sort of the the majority of what we're doing now is those kind of like pilots to get to larger scale. So, I mean, if sort of the average Joe website, like if I signed up with one of my websites, it's a two-sided marketplace and we don't really have the two sides fully built out yet. So we're, we're building that out kind of one vertical at a time. Oh, gotcha. And, and okay. Pilots. Okay. That's pretty cool though. I mean, I could see that, uh, if you get like this technology could easily be bought by Google or Facebook or whoever is doing like large volume uh, digital ads, right? I mean, who knows how long yeah. it's going to be just you. <laughs> it's, it's just, there's, there's tons of other people that see the same opportunity and are building some of the, some, some similar, like there's lots of, there's lots of problems in this, in, in that, in a lot of industries where, where middlemen could be, um, you know, decentralized and, and, and removed. Um, but, and so there's tons of players that are all looking to do some similar stuff and it's, yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun environment that's still very much in the kind of call R and D stage of how's this all going to work out. And so, yeah, wh- where it goes next, uh, I, I don't know, but it's, uh, it's, it's clear that problem, real problems will, will get solved. No, it'll, it'll be fun either way. You know, yeah. I, th- I'm sure that it'll be human and it will be, uh, a bumpy road as always and flawed. Yeah. <laughs> as we started the conversation <laughs> yes exactly it won't be perfect but it, it will be human that this was this has been a blast i appreciate you being here with me i think we've uh, we've covered we've said it all <laughs> maybe not yeah. but we've said a lot <laughs> yeah i know likewise it's been uh, it's been fun and uh, yeah happy glad to glad to share some of uh some of this new and exciting stuff that is that is kind of happening in in the world around around blockchain tech so share with the audience where they can best get in touch with you and the adbank.network. Yeah, be- best way is, is through adbank.network. And then I've got, and then myself personally, if you just follow the, the link there on, on LinkedIn. But uh, happy, to, happy to chat with anyone about anything around ad tech and blockchain any, anytime. Cool. Thanks, John. This has been a blast. Appreciate it. Yep. Likewise. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. 
Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer.